0: So one of my goals personally is I try to minimize any interruption possible in the customer's purchase journey based on what they're coming there to see. So if they saw an ad and they clicked on the link, they're interested in that product. Don't interrupt them until they've bought it.
1: Welcome to Start Yours, a podcast by Obelo about what it's like to start your own thing. Whether that's a side hustle, an e-commerce store, a blog, we've got you covered. I'm Alicia McCormack. Now, if you talk to most entrepreneurs about why they put in the super long hours building their business, they'll probably tell you it's all in the aid of building a better life, to have freedom and to make money. They're busy putting their hard yards in now so that in the weeks and months and years to come, they'll be able to put their feet up and relax. However, building for the long term is no easy task. It can be hard to stay motivated, it can be hard to develop your own skill set, and it can be especially hard to walk a different path to all of your peers. But for those who stick with it, the rewards can be huge. Two people who know just what can happen when you put your mind to it are two married drop shippers, Shishia and Namrata. Throughout 2019, the Vancouver Couples General Store has gone from after-work side hustle to something that has now made over $800,000. As you'll hear in today's episode, it didn't happen overnight and they did it all while working full-time. What followed was a lot of research, patience and learning before finally a lot of success. I know whatever stage of launching a business or enterprise or side hustle you may be at that you will find value in this episode. Now, let's head to the interview with Shashia and Namrata. Shashia and Namrata, thank you so much for sharing some time with us. You are a husband and wife dropshipping mega duo who have really figured out how it all works. Tell me a little bit about when you first started the business because I know from a lot of people's stories, it wasn't super simple when you first went, let's start a business together. How did it all kick off for you?
0: Yeah, it was a fascinating story. I think maybe number that can kick us kick us off there.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm I'm um, I'm really obsessive in terms of shopping, and when I got the chance to decorate our own place, I went crazy, and I kind of <laughs> reached to the point where I could not add more you know to the home <laughs> and then that is how Shisher got the idea and we started exploring you know why not a home decor store so yeah I will still get the items you know and then of course they would sell
0: yeah so my my main observation was that that uh Numbers is fantastic and has a fantastic sense <laughs> for uh you know finding right interesting very interesting products uh, yeah. from completely, you know, unknown corners of the web. So so I saw that ability and uh, we saw how our home, beautiful home came together. And that's when I realized, hey, you know, we, can, we should utilize this talent that we have in-house. Uh, yeah. and, and that's how we got started in exploring different possibilities and in, in, in online stores that we could uh, possibly uh, tap on and, and, and start with. So Home Decor was the first possible idea. That's what once I started doing my research together, we, we stumbled across uh, the whole concept of dropshipping. And and then that's when we started learning and what kind of products people typically buy, what what are what is easier to sell, what is harder to sell, how do you advertise it? So all of that was lots and lots of learning along the way, no doubt, lots of mistakes, mm-hmm. lots of pitfalls. Uh, we tried to avoid and learn from other people and um, just try to, Learn from every mistake and not try not try our best not to make that again.
1: Had you run e-commerce stores before, or had you even dabbled in this world?
0: No, never. never from a seller standpoint, definitely. obviously we we bought a lot, but uh, we never had a store before, online store before. interesting.
2: Yeah, I was saying that it came very naturally to me to find products uh, because anyhow, I would research products online. And from the very beginning, you know, even say from college time, I would try to find unique products, problem solving products. So there we did not have any issues. Like initially, you know, um, since I was very fond of gadgets, I even found a clock that runs on water. So, you know, (laughs) it got pretty exciting for me. And uh, then, of course, uh, Shishr worked through the things, and made it, you know, possible. <laughs> so, Namrata, you really like the thrill
0: of
1: finding unique products. You really like that sort of the hunt, basically, Lovely. of getting.
2: Yeah. I do everyday research on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I don't need to hire a product research person. I have an expert in-house.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is good. This is a good part of finding a team member that balances out your skills, Shishir, obviously building stores and Mm -hmm. then really going for it, but with Namrata for having the idea of obviously you've got style and you know what you like, but also then seeing how to research and find what might work. Tell me where you look, but where do you find these products? Are you using Alibaba or tell me more?
0: It's a combination of a few uh, sources, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. First of all, obviously Alibaba Alibaba and AliExpress are – very often the primary go-to marketplaces just because of their um, scale and variety. Uh, But in the current environment, there are definitely alternatives that we've been exploring ourselves. So just because shipping is a major challenge these days for pretty much every online store. So we have been exploring many um, North American based suppliers like uh, Spocket. Um, There's a few others that are also domestic uh, in terms of being manufactured in the U.S. or Canada, so we're exploring those alternatives. Uh, they definitely come with a higher price tag. So yeah. very often we we try to find off even AliExpress suppliers who may be shipping out of the United States as as opposed to shipping out of China. So it's I would still say you know maybe sixty to seventy percent. It's still relying on AliExpress and Alibaba, but then also trying to proactively look for sellers through Spocket and even sometimes things like Etsy there's many suppliers on Etsy who are doing it for themselves but are who need that marketing expertise and you know for somebody who has a experienced who has experience in stores and running stores they can really scale up for that one supplier who's doing it from their home on Etsy uh, but shipping locally and supplying locally so a few of those those avenues That's
1: really good because I think a lot of people don't, think outside of the box beyond the standard drop shipping and I say standard but you know Mm -hmm. the bigger companies but you're so right if you can connect with an independent manufacturer that is really keen to go wholesale or can have some wiggle room with Mm -hmm. their costings of course this is an excellent idea and then also using NumRise's amazing uh, abilities (laughs) to find products that you can find a product that no one else has got or very few other sellers have because I suppose the big part of it is when you find something that is successful, other people jump on that bandwagon pretty quickly right. and follow the yeah. follow the leaders. Yeah, uh-huh. Have you had that trouble where you have started a store and then straight away or quickly someone else comes in and swoops and tries to undercut?
0: Oh, yeah, um, definitely. With uh, multiple mm. of the products that we have scaled <laughs> um, to high numbers, that, that's happened many times. Um, I recall in Q4 of 2019, one particular product that we, we started working on and this was a brand new product people were not really advertising it and same thing we stumbled across it actually at a at a fair that we went to in Vancouver physically um, mm-hmm. and we had seen it earlier yeah. on on AliExpress
2: and um, actually then i just happened to try it out and the pricing that they told me was like four to five times that of AliExpress so then wow. we just uh, decided you know if it can sell here and we could actually we actually saw the product it was very good quality um, and so we thought, why not try this? And we just gave it a shot and it was one of the biggest uh, successes we've had.
0: So to your point though one the moment we started selling that a month or two after that, um I came across stores that essentially were a duplicate of my product description page yeah. <laughs>
2: Even so, adds-
0: so yeah, that definitely does happen uh, and it's in a way it's it's part of the way the industry works. so it, you definitely need to have that first mover advantage if you, want to be making it big so originality you know holds a lot of weight
1: so you've done over 800k how many years does that did that take to get to that
0: figure uh that was actually only in 2019 um wow we
2: like few like eight months yeah i would
0: say probably not even the full year maybe eight months of that um and we peaked roughly in november november of 2019 is when we hit about 240k in the month of November.
1: You must be high-fiving all over the place. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: I want to get into working as a team, as a duo, because I think there will be a lot of listeners who see a potential, especially during this pandemic where we're at home and we can potentially start a business from home just with our laptops and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know it, it must be tricky sometimes working 24-7 with your spouse.
2: <laughs> Tell me a little
1: bit about how you find a balance with, Stepping away from the laptop and actually having a life and being able to communicate about things that aren't necessarily drop shipping, product sourcing, the (laughs) website.
0: I I completely agree with you. (laughs) we, we, We do literally spend maybe 18 hours a day. Uh, sitting at our dining table, because that's where both of our workstations are currently, sure. both for our full-time work and also for our business. So yep. yeah, there, there's tons of FaceTime. I wouldn't um, dispute that, but it's not <laughs> something that I, I, it, it, I would rather do, I, I would rather choose who I face rather than being forced to work with people who I'm not so keen to work on and in, in the office. So, yep. uh, you know, I think the balance definitely has to be Struck very consciously. We have like, we try to force ourselves to go down for a walk and you know, just get out there. Now that at least in in the Vancouver area, things are a bit more in control for with regards to COVID. So we are able to go out, you know, get some fresh air and not be stuck in our apartment. Um, Mm. But I think that the larger part of it is that we try to keep our eyes on the goal, uh, the broader sort of vision that we have that hey, eventually we want to make this our full time activity. And not be dependent on our full-time jobs anymore. So I think that motivation is what gets us to overcome any little little hiccups that we, that may happen along the way.
2: Yeah, like Shishir has like properly prepared a calendar for the dropshipping council, and he diligently daily dedicates himself for that, so that timeline is met. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. planning, and I try to build in the, the rest periods, obviously. <laughs>
1: Well, let's talk about the Dropshipping Council and then I'd love to come back to some advice that you would give to people who are either just starting their business or potentially looking to start a business and Mm -hmm. being able to make sure that they're using their time in a way that's valuable and and resourceful rather than just whiling away the hours because it's yeah. very easy to do, especially when you're starting. But the Dropshipping Council is something that you are launching uh, now. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what motivated you to do this and what it is and how people can join.
0: Right. This is something, it was more of a personal um, need almost. So we we realized as, as we were going through our journey and growth, um, we were personally always looking out for people to learn from who were mm-hmm. ahead of us. And I'm a big believer that you just have to literally find the people who are where you want to be and emulate them. So now that group of people started getting small pretty quickly and became almost non-existent as we started growing through our businesses. So, mm-hmm. you know, we found that e-commerce can generally get lonely very quickly because yes. like you said, we're, we're cooped up in our homes, but not, there's not much interaction going on. And, you know, if, if you don't have friends in the space, there's literally nobody you can talk to about challenges you may be facing. So, mm. um, initially, in the beginning part of our journey, Facebook groups were very useful as beginners. But I, I felt there was a real gap in you know networking and learning opportunities for mid to high level uh, dropshippers and e-com store owners, uh, and that's where we were. So that's sort of how the idea for the Dropshipping Council germinated. That you know we we need to have some sort of an exclusive. Mm-hmm invite-only community where you have a set of pre-qualified dropshippers and e-com store owners who are part of the community and they've all met some sort of a minimum criteria before they're admitted to the community. So that was the overarching idea and it was really to fill a gap for ourselves uh, because we were missing that opportunity to, to network and also I realized that there'll be other people uh, in the same sort of space, who, who are lacking the same kind of resource. So that's how this got started. And we're currently in the, in the phase of, of launching, and we are uh, in the process of actually interviewing candidates right now to uh, admit to the Dropshipping Council. Um, and we've set a minimum criteria of having achieved at least $100,000 per month in sales uh, at any point in the last two years in your businesses. And that's what qualifies you to then apply. And I'm personally interviewing each of these candidates to verify everything and and just make sure they're the right fit for the community.
2: Um, Also, I noticed that this will also save a lot of time, energy and cost, because if you have one common platform where you have all the gurus giving the requisite knowledge, you know, you won't have to approach them individually. And of course, uh, you know, individually, their charges can be very much and also the right places So, this proved to be very beneficial for saving the time, cost and energy also, considering that it's a very competitive business. Yeah, yeah, it is
1: competitive, but it's also good, I think, as you said, to find support with your peers and mm-hmm. also being able to talk about things. I know as uh, someone who has a store that if I'm with my non-store-owning friends who are working their nine-to-fives, mm-hmm. which is great, our conversations, if I bring up my e-com store, <laughs> it's not always something that they want to talk about beyond going, how's it all going? It's great, you're having yeah. time, but I'm like, I want to talk about Facebook ads or I'm really keen to... <laughs> I've had a bit of a coding era, so I think when you can connect with communities and Mm -hmm. whether a lot of people listening might be saying, well, I'm not making 100K a month yet, but it's good to have goals and also I suppose for us to say that there are certainly lots of other – Subreddits and Facebook groups Mm -hmm. that people can get get involved in if they're just starting out and want to learn and connect with people and not feel alone or isolated because you know we're living in quite an isolated period uh, Mm -hmm. of time. But also, everyone's out there and there are always going to be hungry people wanting to talk about what you're learning. Or there's always going to be YouTube channels like yours that you can learn from and feel connected.
0: Exactly, And, and that was the whole purpose of you know of starting our YouTube channel initially. Um, Journey to Freedom was started primarily because uh, that is how we learned uh, all about the business. So yeah, we felt right. it was a good time to, you know, first of all, start paying back to the community. But also it gives you a chance to, you know, in a way you, you learn best when you're teaching people. So yep. it really gets you to master your own business and basics when people ask questions that may have been in your own blind spot. So, you know, that's, that's a great uh, community. Obviously, we're trying to develop on YouTube as well. Uh, of beginner, mid level, high level uh, dropshippers, e com business owners. And then the council, dropshipping council is definitely for people who have gone beyond that initial beginner level and are looking for a higher level of association.
1: Let's talk a little bit about motivation because, as you said, when you first started, it wasn't a slam dunk straight away. You didn't find mm-hmm. a winning product immediately. And that reality of that is that 99.9% of people who start businesses don't hit the mark first up. And then yeah. you, I always read, you know, in, in, with, with Oberlo, we read a lot of uh, comments with people going, this didn't work. I'm giving yeah. up. And you, you want to say, no, stick with it. Tell me a little bit about how you both stayed motivated and mm-hmm. obviously working full-time jobs and doing this on top of it isn't easy. But mm-hmm. what really, what, what took you to the level where you said to each other, this is it, we want to do it. Let's stick with it and let's keep going.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think from just our own experience, life experience, really, but small businesses in general, forget about dropshipping or e-commerce, the basic stats are that, you know, any small business will not be in existence um, five years down the road. Only 5% of businesses actually survive the first five years. So that's no different for e-commerce or dropshipping. And really, in any venture, it's only those 5% that persevere through, through the ups and downs that act. That end up getting to that five-year mark, so it wasn't really much different in our case. You know, yes, we were uh, ready to face those hurdles. I think it's just a lot of mental preparation to re- realize what the reality is, because many times you you get, you know, you, you get into the space thinking that it's an easy way to make money, but it's not. <laughs> so the sooner really? that you you understand the reality, the, the better you can be prepared for the ups and downs that you'll experience, and you know. Every process, the way I like to look at it is every failure leads to the event, brings you closer to that eventual success. So, you know, our goal and objective is really to fail faster, if anything. Because it brings us closer to to that eventual success that is at the end of, end of the line.
1: I really like like let's just say that again, fail faster because I think that's yeah. something that we all need to hear and remind ourselves, especially that failure isn't something that we need to feel bad about. So mm-hmm. many failures lead to massive successes, but I suppose it just takes that that little moment of stepping back and going, all right, that didn't work.
0: Pick Definitely, it up let's yeah. go again. And it's because many people tend to see that as a binary a result. Either you succeed or you fail. But in reality, it's it's very much the opposite. The failure is a prerequisite almost to get to the success. Um, so that applies to any any venture you start off in, whether it's even your jobs, right? You, you learn in the beginning, you make mistakes, and then you succeed eventually.
1: Narata, tell me a little bit about when you sourced products. What I found really interesting, we've got a great blog on Oberlo.com about both of you and the success of your business. But yeah. you talk a little bit about purchasing products, especially with dropshipping and testing the products yourself, which is something that's quite a contentious issue in the dropshipping community, especially because a lot of people are just really keen to start their business, launch that store, get it out there, but then they never actually get their hands on the product. Tell me what made you both invest the money and the time to start testing products without just launching willy-nilly?
2: As I said that I always was interested in online shopping and we've had a few (laughs) samples as well, even before actually launching the products. So we definitely looked for quality that the item should be in good quality and should have good packaging, you know, possibly um, not have any Chinese, uh, you know, written language on top. And Mm -hmm. then, in addition to that, we offered the best customer service possible. So Um, That really helped us succeed a lot. So giving quality products, then offering quality customer service. Like we had a feedback score on Facebook at 4.9, which is like very, very rare. So also, as I mentioned that uh, one of our winning products, we actually viewed it. And um, we were just leaving the fair, and I just was a bit curious. I said, no, I have to actually try out the product. We had already reached into the car and I had seen the product on AliExpress. I said, no, mm-hmm. uh, the client should feel satisfied that they are getting what it's worth. So we have vetted the products as well beforehand.
0: Yeah, I think the, the long-term sustainability of, of especially online businesses really comes down to the quality of the product. So yeah. I, I think it's very important to take that extra step to try your best to have those samples shipped to you yes it may take an extra two or three weeks but it really pays dividends down the road because you don't get chargebacks you don't get unhappy customers
2: and and the easier shortcut that we did was we found the same product on amazon and we would (laughs) order that and then we would return it (laughs) yeah yeah, great
0: suggestion yeah
1: that's a really good suggestion. And I think being able to see the quality, you're so right. And making sure the packaging looks good and you're putting your name to it. So I suppose that's a really big investment for you mm-hmm. with time and also energy to make sure that you're not having to then later on deal with hundreds of customers who aren't happy and having exactly. to deal with returns.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then of course uh, you can always take images in your own personal lifestyle photos, so that makes it even more realistic if you have the product in hand before.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me about the the design and the look of your stores, and I, I know we're not going to talk specifically about what you're selling, but yeah. do you take lifestyle images? How? What are some of the tips that you can give to listeners to differentiate their store? Especially if they're selling a product that maybe other people are already selling, and they ha- they're not mm-hmm. doing sort of niche stores. How do you make your store look different from other stores to get the attention of a customer?
0: Right, that's a good question. Um, I, I think it depends on the type of product that you're selling. Um, so for example, many uh, many store owners initially focus on things like uh, problem solving products. For example, um, one good way to to set yourself apart is to use some sort of, um, explainer type, uh, GIF. So that's like a moving image essentially that explains what the problem is that's being solved. So that's one easy way without, because most customers now don't have the attention span to read your entire part of description. So an easy way to, to just get the message across is have a visual because that is what the eye is naturally drawn towards. So that would be one tip for problem solving products. But then in general, I, I think the overall look and feel of the store has to be trustworthy because many, many a times we, we go with these um, different th- Shopify themes. They can often be very, you know, crowded, uh, messy looking and, you know, having every color in the palette show up on your store. So that's a big no, no, because that reduces trust in your store. If you go to any big store like Nike or Adidas, you'll see there's color consistency. There's maybe one, two, three colors being used at max, and it's a clean website. So if there's one goal that you should have is to have a clean website with a maximum of one or two different colors that you utilize to to set up your, uh, your store.
2: Uh, we've also seen that when we have used timers and spinners, you know, our sales have actually dipped. So we totally cut that strategy out. (laughs) For people that don't know what you mean by that, can you expand Mm -hmm. a little bit more on that?
0: Yeah. So I think many people oftentimes, um, there are many Shopify apps that allow you to have pop-ups on your store. So spin the wheel to win a discount, those kind of apps that I right. uh, eventually show up on the front page of the of this, of the store when a customer lands there and it typically happens in the first 5 seconds and you know yes it it used to work i feel for many people in the beginning when it was when it was new but now it's just another another interruption in the customer purchase journey so one of my goals personally is i try to keep uh, i try to minimize any interruption possible in the customer's purchase journey based on what they're coming there to see. So if they saw an ad uh, and they clicked on the link, they're interested in in that product. Don't interrupt them until they've bought it. So I try to avoid any upselling, cross-selling before the purchase. And I focus on the upselling, cross-sell after they have purchased from me, and have trusted me enough to do the purchase because that's the best time to upsell.
1: Are you running multiple stores, or is all this revenue coming from one store?
0: Uh, so most of our, well, all of our revenue in twenty nineteen was from one store, but now we right. do have multiple stores, and we are focusing on developing more branded stores that are that are a bit more bit more niche down. Now that we have the experience of scaling up a store to that level.
1: Do you run social media accounts to promote these stores or are you using primarily just Facebook ads and driving people directly to the stores?
0: The biggest source definitely is is paid advertising on Facebook Mm -hmm. um, and also on Instagram. So as in the process of developing more of a branded niche store, I do anticipate that we would have more of an organic social media profile and outreach. Uh, and it, that's much more of a long-term strategy over time to build up that fan base. Uh, but right. even in that case, initially it starts off with paid ad- advertising, and then once you develop a loyal enough customer base, they stay connected with your brand through social media, through Instagram, and things like that. So
1: you are developing that that long sort of that long-term <clears throat> relationship with your customers.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Which is an important point to make because I think there seems to be an attitude. Well, it's a different attitudes in the industry, but some people just want the quick sale and they're moving on. Mm -hmm. But if you can really sustain a a long-term relationship, they're going to come back and buy more from you. You can use the data with Facebook ads. You can use Mm -hmm. the existing data and and reuse it and retarget and remarket to them. It's
0: clever. Definitely. The the lifetime value of the customer is very, very important uh, because, you know, any... Any purchase that the customer makes after the first one essentially is a free purchase to you. You didn't pay anything in ads to get that purchase. So it's all margin, right? So uh, that is often where your bottom line gets boosted every single time the customer comes back to buy from you.
1: Tell me a little bit about the systems that you use. Uh, Namrata, you said earlier, on that Shashir has already planned out, has a calendar ready to go for the dropshipping council, and that's really good to hear that you are all and I, I suppose you have to be if you're also still working your day jobs and doing this incredible business. Yeah. But tell me about some of the systems that you have in place uh, together and independently to make sure things get done and you aren't feeling overwhelmed or stressed with the tasks at hand.
0: Yeah, so I think we try to split up um, the kind of work that we do. So Numbers are obviously uh, focuses on um, the product research element of the business. So, you know, whenever we have in mind to launch different uh, different product lines or different products then you know we work backwards from there okay if the target is to launch this product on uh, the end of July then where do we need to be two weeks from now where do we need to be three weeks from now uh, to get things going so you know talking to the suppliers to make sure they have a supply in place um talking to getting getting the lifestyle photos in place as numbers i mentioned um and getting all that in order to to just plan ahead of of uh, where you need to be later on.
1: So you really look at taking the time each day or week. How often do you sit down together and say, all right, these are our goals, this is what we want to achieve in the next quarter or the next couple of months, and then this is you're going to do this and I'm going to do that. How, how often mm-hmm. do you sit and have that family meeting?
2: Like we make a to-do list in a notebook. So mm-hmm. according to that, you know, whatever is much more having greater priority, we proceed with that. And action to that accordingly. So currently, like uh, with the dropshipping council, uh, now we are already we've already started uh, vetting the applicants. So initial phase was, of course, um, you know, getting the speakers on, the motivators, uh, the gurus, and now this this week we are basically interacting with the upcoming members. So we have kind of phased it out in a week and plan according to that.
0: Yeah. So I think it's not, I wouldn't say there's a set schedule, uh, but, you know, we, we, we're pretty, we live together. So it doesn't, you know, we have enough opportunities to interact. Um, I would say in in terms of a broader vision, definitely maybe once every quarter, once every six months, we're trying to realign and just make sure we're heading in the right direction every three to four months. And then that kind of guides our, our day-to-day activities then.
1: I'm so impressed that you do this and work full-time jobs. Do your <laughs> does your full-time employers know how successful you are with these side hustle? <laughs> uh,
0: not yet. I think, like you said, most people outside of the the e-commerce world have not heard about it. Really, uh, everybody shops online, but they never think about being a seller. So you no. Know? <laughs>
1: They have no idea that you're pulling
2: in 800K last year and still working for them.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: In fact, I was such a big buyer now. When I shop online, I think – a hundred times <laughs> before anything that because
0: because we know the margins that these these guys are pulling in.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it has to affect your. I mean, this is I'm the same when I think when you go behind the curtain a little bit and mm-hmm. you use the Oberlo app or you you have a look on AliExpress and you think, man, I could buy that twenty times over when yeah. you're actually purchasing something. It does affect the way that you shop. I find that all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's good to hear that you have. Well, I suppose a lot of people when they decide to start a side hustle or maybe jump into the world of entrepreneurship they're like i have to leave my job this is i need to be committed mm-hmm. can you talk to the people that are listening that have that that viewpoint especially looking at what you've achieved while yep. also maintaining your jobs talk to me about that and when you think it is the right time to leave a job
0: yeah, I think that's a very uh, big decision. It's, there's a lot of nuances that go into that decision. Um, and, and personally, I'm of the opinion that uh, there, there is a. It depends on everybody's own risk tolerances. Many people would, you know, drop out of college and start start a business like this, and then just run with it. Um, we're not in that category, so we're definitely much more. Um, conservative in that sense. Uh, We we believe in the stability of our jobs. Yes. But, you know, long term, I I would only probably transition out of a job when I'm making four to five times my annual employment income in my business. And at that point, I might might consider transitioning out because um, through our experience, we know the volatility of the business too. So as, as, as appealing as it is, There are definitely ups and downs, but the whole goal is as long as the business continues to grow, um, eventually the low of the business is still higher than your job income. So that's the point you want to get to where you feel you're secure enough that, you know, despite all the business volatility, you know, we can still live a a good lifestyle.
2: And then possibly develop multiple income streams as well, you know, with just one or two, three stores may not be just that much. Uh, maybe something more ahead.
0: Yeah. So it's diversification as in anything.
1: Without giving away anything that you do and spoiling any industry secrets, are there anything, if if we are looking to start a business and looking for products, what are some things that you're seeing at the moment that you think people should be looking further at? Any
0: sort of tips? Uh, Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the current environment, uh, there's a few niches that are doing very well. Um, obviously, it's it's no secret that people are having to work out at home. So, you know, yes, gym gym equipment home, at home gym equipment is doing very well.
2: Even uh, baking accessories, people uh, have yes. started baking more. In fact, <laughs> I went to my grocery store, two three stores, they were all out of uh, baking soda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know,
0: I, I think simple things like this can can trigger trigger your thought process on what's in demand. Um, home decor is another big one. People are at home, so they're looking around. Of of what they can do, how to improve their time. Another big one um, for parents is that many of them are, are holed up in their homes with their kids, and they are still working full time though. So many of them need ways to keep their kids occupied in a productive fashion. So ver- these days, many of the of the um, educational toys for kids are doing very well
2: like DIY projects
0: yeah so things like that I mean those are a few quick niches that that are really doing very well well these days
1: yeah and and as we said earlier in the episode if you do find one of these niche products maybe thinking a little bit outside of the box and approaching local manufacturers so you can avoid the shipping prices that seem to be happening at the moment but also Mm -hmm. supporting local manufacturers is a really good thing to do as well
0: exactly yeah I think there's you'll always find multiple sources. For the same product. Um, you know, there'll be multiple vendors, local and foreign. So definitely explore what's possible because, yes, you may be paying a bit of a premium to buy locally, but you'll have much more satisfied customers because a major upside is. Uh, the faster shipping times.
1: We always like to end the show asking if there is a a piece of media or a book or a podcast that you listen to that you would recommend uh, to our Start Yours listeners. Is there something that's really inspired you over the years that has motivated you um, Mm -hmm. that you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, I can share a couple of books, actually. Um, right. that, um, the first one is is called The Growth Mindset. Uh, th- I'm forgetting the name of the author, but if you Google it on, or check it on Amazon, it'll come up. Um, and that's all about just having, you know, the contrast between a f- having a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And, you know, the main the main theme behind, behind the message is that Oftentimes, in, especially if you're starting your own business, uh, the likelihood is that you will not know how to do 95% of the things that you that are required by the business. And yes. you need to have the growth mindset in order to, to learn everything and be able to appreciate that uh, you can learn things. Most people are not born with these abilities, um, you know, right from day one, they learn it. So that that is a one first recommendation, um, and the second one is a book called uh, Deep Work. Uh, that's another one which I find is quite useful in the current day and age when there's so many distractions around us. Having focused deep work timings during the day, where you can just you know cut off distractions and focus on being productive, uh, that's another big one that that can actually be a big differentiator between your work ethic and what other people do while being distracted with their phones and Facebook and everything else. Oh, that's
1: good because I think we're all distracted constantly. Um, my brain is like a goldfish <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> especially when we're working from home and you're like, oh, there's something yeah. over here. I can go over here and check this out. Exactly. But it is, it is important, and I, I think, when you are especially designing stores or looking sourcing products, and I know – having sourced products before, I can go down a really deep hole of Mm -hmm. clicking on one thing and then going, well, that looks interesting, opening 27 other tabs and realising, oh, I haven't really progressed any further and it's been seven and a half hours. So these are are really good uh, suggestions. Well, look, thank you so much both for your time. It's been really interesting getting to know you and learning more about your business. And hopefully you get lots of applicants for the Dropshipping Council. Just let people know again if they are Mm -hmm. interested in joining or connecting or even yeah. they think they might be progressing to the 100k and they're, mm-hmm. they're confident in the future can they get in touch with you and and at least um make that connection as well
0: yeah definitely anybody who's interested they can just head to um the the address the dropshippingcouncil.com uh that's the the web address and check out the website we already have a, some pretty major founding council members on board and these are all industry titans who have been very successful in the field of e-commerce. And then we already have about 12 different partner agencies now who are also on board, you know, people like um, email marketing agencies, Facebook ad agencies, landing page design companies, and these are all on board and part of our community to assist really the council members who join uh, join the community. So definitely head over to um, the website, thedropshippingcouncil.com to check out to see if you qualify Um, And if you do, definitely send us an application and we'll get, get back to you pretty soon.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for your time. I wish you all the best and I hope you have another double 800K year. (laughs) Let's keep in touch because it'd be really great to connect with you um, and learn a little bit more about what you're doing down the
0: track. Thanks so much, Alicia. I appreciate you having us on the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks again to Shashir and Namrata. If you're interested in learning more about launching your own thing, then can I suggest you visit Oberlo.com and check out the YouTube channel, blog, And of course, subscribe to Start Yours to listen to the entire back catalogue. If you have a question, a comment, or you'd like to leave us a voice message, you can simply send an email to podcast at obelo.com and we'll get back to you. Thanks again for listening and until next week, see you later.